0: For that song, that was good. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of First John, chapter five. Of course, the last several weeks we were going through and uh, through the book of First John, going through the series talking about how you can know that you're saved. And then uh, the message today, it's we're picking up where we left off, but we're kind of taking a, a different path today. At the very end of this chapter. He kind of throw. There's a verse there, the very last verse in the chapter. It almost seems to kind of be off the subject of what the rest was about. But I think as we go through this message, you'll see uh, why he was talking about that. And I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to try to give everybody a treat today and see if I can go a little short. All right. So we're going to see. We're going to see what happens there. I probably shouldn't have said anything, but I'm as I'm anxious to get to the food out there, and I, I'm I'm kind of hungry right now. And I know you probably are too, and so. Uh, but we want to go to the Word of God and just uh, see. And I hope you'll get something from this that will be a really big help to you. Maybe kind of help you understand really a lot of what we've tried to teach through the book of First John. But we'll start reading verse thirteen. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I want you to notice as we read through these uh, passages how many times you see the phrase, and we know. Uh, It keeps talking about how we know, how much that word is used. And then in verse, verse 13, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that he hear us. Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man see his brother, sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God Keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and he hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so much for this opportunity to preach Your Word. And Lord, I pray You'll help me to get the message across this morning that I that I want to get. Lord, I pray You'll use it to speak to hearts. In Your name we pray. Amen. Several years ago, I was out knocking doors with uh, with a man from our church. We're out witnessing. And we go and we knock on this one door, and an elderly lady comes to the door. And we got to talking to her about our church and everything. And I and asked her the question. We said... Has there ever been a time in your life where you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? And she looked us. she just kind of got this smile on her face. She said, come inside, I want to show you something. And we go into her house. And inside her house are pictures and statues and everything you can imagine of Jesus. I mean, Jesus is all over her house. I mean, and uh, I mean, I, I could not believe how many statues were right there in her living room. We're looking, and that wasn't what we even she even wanted to show us. She takes us into uh, into the bedroom, and there is this real big picture of Jesus right there, sitting on on a vanity right by the foot of her bed. And she's like, the first thing I see every morning is Jesus. And all over in her room, there's things of Jesus. And then we go into the kitchen and there's stuff all over the place of Jesus. And she says, every morning I sit here during breakfast and I look right there at Jesus and I talk to Him. And we began to talk and we realized that we kind of had a problem here. That this lady, while she loved Jesus, that these things that she had, first of all, they're not Jesus. The Bible says not to make any graven image or any likeness. Of anything that is in heaven above, and she's got all these things all over the place. And we asked, Well, "Was there ever a time when you asked Jesus Christ to be your savior?" And then that's when she would maybe show us another statue and talk about the story behind it and how she got it. And we kept pressing her, and that's when she took us in the kitchen and said, "I talk to him every day." And she had this picture of Jesus, uh, you know, as a shepherd, and she's like, "You know, he's he's my shepherd, and I ask him to lead me every day." But when we kept trying, Trying to find that time, that place where she got saved, just we couldn't do it. And there was absolutely no convincing this lady at all that she may not be saved. She had, she loved Jesus more than anybody. I've never seen anybody with more statues or pictures of Jesus in my life. And you know what? The truth is, if having statues and pictures of things of Jesus makes you saved, Nobody was more saved than that lady right there, but I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. And I do see in the Bible all kinds of verses. We don't have time to go through all of them. Otherwise, I'll definitely take that treat away of going short. But idols are not something that God wants in the life. Of a believer, we are not to have images—not just images of other gods and other idols, but even images of Him. I don't believe God wants us trying to uh, depict Him in some way. You all see—I mean, most of us when we picture Jesus, we picture some long-haired hippie. And the truth is, Jesus didn't look like most of the pictures that you see. Jesus—he would have been—he uh, would have been a dark-skinned, short-haired guy. Probably would have looked more like a Muslim than he does a European. But yet that—that. That, people, they've got these images of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, some of the ways He's portrayed in the Bible, I mean, it's kind of scary. You know, eyes is a flame of fire. That's kind of scary. But people today and always from the beginning of time have had this problem with idolatry. Idolatry its the worship of idols, images, or anything made by hands or which is not God. And there's idolatry. It's of two kinds. The worship of images, statues, pictures, made by hands and worship of heavenly bodies, the sun, moon, and stars, or even demons, angels, men, and animals. We've got cultures and religions that worship just about everything. That's all idolatry. It's all all wrong. Idolatry can also be excessive attachment or veneration for anything or that which borders on adoration. I tell you, I believe when it comes to idolatry, I think in America today, we're as bad as any country, even though we don't have a whole lot of statues and things. Uh, I mean we we've got some, there's a few religions that do a lot of the statues. I get creeped out by one of the statues over there in Dixon. It's a statue of Mary with all these kids kneeling around her praying to her. That that just that creeps me out. Uh, not only should we not bow down an idol, but especially Mary. But people are bigger than that. But we do have idols in people today. I mean, we worship people in this country. We live in a world that is completely caught up and wrapped up in celebrities. I mean, it is amazing. Some of the people that are the most influent—they're saying—are the most influential people in America. I mean, it's scary. I'm sorry, but when people like, you know, Paris Hilton or the Kardashians are the most influential people on young ladies today, we're we're in a mess. And by the way, we are in a mess. We see what's going on with our young people today. Uh, some, of, uh, you know, just some of the actors and things. I mean, the lifestyles that they live, and just the junk that goes on in their lives. And people worship them. I mean, if they go into an area, I mean, people. I mean, they'll just flock around them and just. I mean, do whatever they can to get close to them. They got people following around them all the time, trying to take pictures of them and getting lots of money for those pictures because. People like us will go around and they'll pay money for all these magazines and things talking about the lives of people who, as far as eternity goes, have not accomplished a thing. Absolutely nothing. And I think we do have a huge idolatry problem in that area. But idolatry, it begins with a lack of faith in something that can't be seen. And what happens many times is we try to replace faith in God. That we a faith or a God that we can't see with something that we can see that's what the children of Israel did when Moses went up into the mountain God brought them out of Egypt now even though they never saw God they should have seen God all over the place when those ten plagues that he brought when God opened the Red Sea obviously they didn't see God but they definitely saw the work of God taking place but they got there across the Red Sea and there Moses leaves for a little while and all of a sudden they like you know what Where is this God that we came to worship? We can't see Him. They'd seen all kinds of evidence, but they hadn't seen Him. You know what? Let's make a God. And they made a golden calf. And they began to worship it. Idolatry is something that mankind has always struggled with. They want to be able to see something. Idolatry goes all the way back to Cain. If you remember when Cain brought the fruit of the ground, he brought the work of his own hands. We've talked the last several weeks how people have a hard time grasping this thing about of the simplicity of salvation and how easy it is. They struggle with that. They would rather do some kind of work, something that they can see. They, want to, uh, they would rather do a great work or even give money or have the pastor or the priest do some fancy ritual. They want to see something because they don't want faith. That is idolatry. Cain did that. He's like, I'm going to bring the fruit of the ground. This this work that I did, surely God will be pleased with this. This is a great work that I'm doing, but God was not pleased with that. God wanted the blood of a lamb. But many times today, people, they judge what's right and wrong based on circumstances or outcome, but almost never on what the Bible says. They'll do something totally contrary to the Word of God. Well, something good came out of it. It obviously was right. That's idolatry. Okay, we don't we don't go by results to determine what's right and wrong. We trust the word of God. We trust what God says. Well, one person I want us to look at is a man named Gideon, who I believe uh, really struggled in this area with with idolatry. If you go to Judges chapter six, we're going to look at look at Gideon, and because I, I think Gideon made the same mistake a lot of us made, But remember, the children of Israel, they were in the midst of a very difficult time with Gideon. God, uh, they had forgotten what God had done for them in Egypt and they had disobeyed God and God allowed the Midianites to come and take over. This is, uh, this is in the book of Judges. This time, this is after they've come out of Israel. This is after they've crossed the Red Sea. This is after uh, a very long time of peace and prosperity when they were following God and doing right but after some time, they started slipping. They started getting away from God. And they ended up getting themselves in trouble. And it was, The truth is, it was about 250 years since God had brought them out of Israel. And Israel had forgotten God. It reminds me of America. We're getting close to 250 years. And we're forgetting God. And I tell you, our founding fathers, they believed God, they followed God, and God blessed this nation as a result of it. But we are slipping into idolatry very quickly, just like had happened during this time. And it got them in trouble. And it was all idolatry was always a problem for them. But in Judges chapter 6, verse 25, I want to read this passage to you. We see that Gideon, while he's a great man, Gideon, though, he came from an, idolatry, an idolatrous background. His father had idols. It says in verse 25. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock. Gideon, we're not going to read the whole passage, but Gideon, he did. He went and he had to throw down that altar that idol that his father had, those altars that his father built. he came from an idolatrous house and from an idolatrous past. It was a part of his culture. It was what he was used to. He was used to the worshiping of idols. But Gideon, God had called him out of that. And listen, we are in the midst of an idolatrous people. God has called us out of it. But if we're not careful, we can let our culture and kind of where we come from cause us to not have faith like we're supposed to. And even though we don't realize it, it can cause us to turn towards idolatry as a people. And it's very dangerous. We saw that at the end of 1 John. After all he says, he says, you know, we know all these things. He says, little children, keep yourself from idols. But Gideon, even though God called him out of that, we see he still struggled with these things. Verse 12 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. God sends an angel and gives a message to Gideon. God did that a lot in the Old Testament. They didn't have the completed Scriptures like we do today. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if thou be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. An angel comes along and gives Gideon a message from God. But Gideon said, hey, something's wrong here. How can this be? Gideon said, look at the circumstances. Look at what's going on around us. Where is God? Where are the miracles? I'm not seeing anything. I remember what my fathers have told us about. I've heard the stories, but I'm not seeing anything myself. And we live in a country today where people, they do not believe the Word of God because they're not seeing anything. The world today, this, our country is getting more and more humanistic as the days goes on. I mean it's getting worse and worse. Religion is becoming less and less important in the lives of people. Fewer and fewer people are are getting saved. Fewer and fewer people are attending church anymore. And it's people are looking at that and they're thinking, where is God? Listen, we don't see God God's not you know, we don't look for him just in results. We look for him in his word. And when we do his word, God will show results in some ways, but maybe not the ways that we want them to. But Gideon wasn't seeing what he wanted to see. They were in captivity by the Midianites. They were in a very difficult time. And he said, I don't see where God is. And Gideon, when this it wasn't enough that an angel came and gave him a message. He said, I want a sign. That's an idolatrous people that want signs. Verse 14 says, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor. And Manasseh, am I lease my father's house? He's thinking, how can I do anything? Look at me. Look, I'm from a poor family. We can't do anything. It's not enough that God's telling him. And we're not going to take time to read the whole thing. But in verse... Uh, 19 says, And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes and an ephah of flour. The flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and brought it out unto him under the oak, and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and unleavened cakes, then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. That was probably a pretty neat thing to see I would imagine right there. Gideon, he's looking and it says when he perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, Fear not, thou shalt not die. So now Gideon, now he's got to see something pretty neat. He's got to see an angel do this miracle. He's seen it kind of take off up in the smoke. And so now Gideon's getting a little more confident because he's seen some great thing. But yet, Gideon, remember, he's from an idolatrous background. People that are idolatrous, they always want to see things. They want that proof. They want something right there in front of him. And it came time for battle, so Gideon finally goes out. And he's got 32,000 people with him. And we're not uh, we're not going to read the whole thing, but if you read the rest of chapter uh, chapter six and chapter seven, you'll see this, where God tells Gideon thirty two thousand that's that's too many. Gideon has not shown any faith yet. Gideon his keeps turning to idolatry. He keeps seeing things, and he goes out uh, to that battle and he asks God to do a miracle, and he lays a fleece out, and he said if it be dry on the ground and wet on the fleece, then I'll know that you want me to go up against this army. And sure enough, it was as Gideon asked. But then Gideon, he's idolatrous. He needs another sign. Oh, we need to confirm this one more time. He said, if it could be dry on the fleece and wet on the ground, I might be getting the two mixed up. And sure enough, God did that too. Gideon's wanting to see miracles. He's wanting to see things. And then finally, that's when God tells him, Gideon, you've got too many people. God was going to make sure when Gideon fought this battle that He was going to do it by faith. And He took those 32,000, which by the way, they were greatly outnumbered even with the 32,000 in this battle. They were going up against a multitude that couldn't be numbered. And those 32,000, God cut it down to 300. Because He had to get Gideon to a place where He would just trust Him. And to stop looking... At things, And that is one of the hardest things that to get people to do these days is to just trust the Word of God. These last several weeks when we've been talking about how you can know that you're saved, it is very simple. And it's hard to get people to understand something that simple. It's hard to get people to go along and to just trust what the Word of God says. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that's just too easy. That's just too simple. I need to see something. I need to see a sign. I need to have some kind of experience. Lord, you're going to have to do some kind of miracle. Lord, I'm going to have to see it. You the know, stars are going to have to line up a certain way. Lord, you're going to have to make the sun stand still. Lord, you're going to have to do. You know, send me a check for a million dollars, then I'll know. Or we do all these things. That is idolatry. And in First John, at the end, at that last passage that we read. We see how He keeps saying, and we know, and we know, and we know. And really, why stay away from idols? It's real simple. We don't need them. We don't need idols. If you trust God's Word, He's going to prove Himself right every time. You're going to find out. It's true. If you will just have faith and believe what God says and do what He says... You're gonna you're gonna figure it out that God's word is true. You're gonna see it for yourself if you just if you just trust Him. We don't need idols. I don't need to walk on water to believe that Jesus Christ walked on water. I don't need to see somebody raised from the dead to believe that Jesus Christ can raise the spirit of mine that's dead in it's trespasses and sin and that He can save me. I don't need that. I don't need to see heaven, to believe that it's there. God has shown me time and time again through His Word that it's true. God has shown me through the stories that we read about in the Bible. Not just the experiences of my own life and there have been some. God has shown me through His Word and that's all we need, folks. That's all we need. We don't need idols. We shouldn't have to have a statue of Jesus up here and a, a big, you know, crucifix of him on the cross to get you to visualize in the picture Jesus on the cross. We have the Word of God that explains exactly what happened. We don't need idols. We don't need to make impressive images. People, uh, they'll go for—I mean, they'll come from miles and miles away and take these great journeys to go see that giant statue of Jesus with his arms out there, and I believe Rio de Janeiro. And it's this great religious experience and this great spiritual experience for people to go and look at this giant statue. We don't need that. We don't need idols. I had the privilege of being able to go to Israel several years ago. And it was a great experience to be able to go and see the tomb where they believe that Jesus was buried and where He rose from the dead at. It was a great experience to be able to go and see Mount Calvary. That was a great experience. I got to see the place where they believed that Jesus was born. I got to see all those places. But I'm here today to tell you that while I did enjoy that, I didn't have to see those places to believe that it happened. I have the Word of God. And the truth is, I believe those events took place because I've read it in the Word of God and not because I got to go there. I didn't need, I didn't need to see those things. I remember when we were there on the Sea of Galilee, you know, just for fun. You know, we kind of went out there on the water. I remember we we're out there on this dock and kind of stepped in the water a little bit just to see see if we had enough faith. And uh, I didn't have enough faith, by the way. And uh, I didn't even have enough faith to even put my full weight in because I was pretty sure I'd have gone under, and I didn't want to do that. But you know what? I still believe that Jesus walked on the water. I still believe that Peter did. For a little while, I don't need idols. I don't. I don't need to see something like that to believe what the Bible says. And we see that in that passage that we know. We know God gives us the confidence. God, uh, when you're saved, God will give you that faith, and He will show you things. And we can know these things. And we don't need idols. We don't need them. We have the Word of God, which is far better, not only than any idols. But the word of God is better than an actual eyewitness. Somebody that was there. First Peter chapter one verse sixteen says, Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy, Uh, and if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judge according to every man's work, past the time of your sojourning, you know I think I might have gave you I think I did the wrong passage. Maybe it's second Peter. I'm sorry about that. 2 Peter where he says we have a more sure word of prophecy. Oh, man, I wrote down the wrong passage. uh, I believe it was in Peter where he said we have a more sure word of prophecy. He said we were eyewitnesses. He said, but talking about the Word of God, he said we have a more sure word. You know, you can talk to eyewitnesses that, and we a lot of times we look at that as proof, but it's not. Have you ever had... Both of your kids come to you and tell you about something that they both were there for, that they both saw, but the stories were completely different. You know why? Because we're we're not infallible. We we can make mistakes in court. You know, eyewitnesses they can be pretty big, but in the Bible, uh, they weren't allowed to put anybody to death except there were two or three witnesses. Because just one eyewitness, well, that's just not quite good enough. We have something more sure. We have. The Word of God. We have it. We don't need idols. Idols, all they do is cause us to look away from the one true God. Exodus chapter 20, we see one of the Ten Commandments. It says, "...Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above." Or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. We are not supposed—they're just going to cause us to turn away from God. It's when people pray. God said to pray in your closet. People today, they like having those statues and they like having those things in front of them. I remember when I when I went to Israel, the Wailing Wall, we got to go visit there and that's a very famous place. The Jewish people, they go there and they write down their prayers and they stick them in the wall and they put their hands on the wall and they pray and they do some pretty dramatic praying there. They rock back and forth and do all these things. And I remember seeing some people in our group that were going and doing the same thing. They are going and putting their hands on the wall and just praying and... It's like, I guess there's nothing wrong with praying at the Wailing Wall, but you know what? You don't need the Wailing Wall to get a hold of God. We don't need that, and that wall has almost become an idol. I was in a Baptist church the other day. It was at a wedding, and some folks were visiting that obviously weren't from a Baptist church, I guess. And they came. I saw them. They come walking in to the service, and they came in late in the wedding, and they kind of stopped and did one of these, you know, cross things and stuff. And it's like, you know, we don't. We don't do that to images and things around here, but you know they they didn't know any better. But it does it causes people to turn away. They think I've got to go somewhere to be able to pray. I have got to go somewhere to be able to get get a hold of God. I got to. Go to the church. I've got to have the, the pastor, the priest do all this fancy stuff and have all this incense and smell all that stuff to be able to, you know, really get a hold of God and have that experience. That is not what we need. We don't need that. We can get a hold of God anywhere. At any time we can approach the throne of grace boldly, thanks to the work that Jesus did for us on the cross. We don't need idols. They get us idols get us focused. On the work of our own hands. That's why they make them statues. That's why I mean, they're they're amazing. I mean, look how many people travel to go see Mount Rushmore. I got we I, we went there a couple times when I was a kid. An amazing thing. And those weren't made for worship. But many uh, many cultures and many places that's what they do. People look at man, that thing's impressive. Wow, look at your God. Look at how big He is. What God do you serve? Well, I can't really show Him to you. We've never seen him. We don't know what he looks like. Oh, that's that's not that impressive. Listen, we don't need impressive looking things. We don't need fancy statues. We don't have to have that. Listen, I thank God for the building that He's given us and that we have a nice place. But we don't even have to have a building to come together as a church or worship God. We see in the early days that many times they met in caves. You better believe they didn't have any of the fancy stuff there. They didn't have the nice pulpits. They didn't have all the fancy statues and crosses and things all over the place. But there was a people that were there. There were two or three that were gathered in His name and God was in the midst and God met with those people and God did a great work with these people. Idols are a substitute for faith many times. God wants you to just have faith. But a lot of times, we will look at different things and say, well, because this happened, now I will do what God said to do. Because of this circumstance, or because of this event, we can we cannot allow idols to be a substitute for faith. Idols have no abilities, and they only bring Christ down. The Bible says they have eyes, but they see not; ears, but they hear not. And they can't do anything. Idols are really all about they're really all about us. Look at what we've made. Look at what we've done. Folks, we don't need that today. We have, we have the Word of God. If you're saved today, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. There should be absolutely no need for you to have anything else. Keep yourself from idols. They will only lead you away. They will only bring confusion in your life. And they will also accomplish absolutely nothing for you. They cannot answer your prayers. They cannot help you when you're sick. They cannot be there for you during the difficult times. They're nothing. They're idols. Keep yourself from idols. Let's stand together, heads bowed, eyes closed.